Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. Good morning, everybody. It is time for the Garden Wise Show here on Legends 810. Yes, sir, Bob, we're going to do a garden show here this morning with me, one of the Garden Wise Guys. I'm Jim Borland, and the other one sitting pretty doggone close to me is Keith Funk. Good morning. It is a snowy <clears throat> morning. We had a little snow over the night, over last night. Not much. Thank goodness, because I had enough the day before. No kidding. But it is April, you know. It is April. It's typical. And every year is different. And this can happen again in May. <laughs> and I think, More than once. And I think next week, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Monday is supposed to happen again. Yeah, uh-huh. I just can't wait. Here we are all making preparations of putting things outside in the garden. I already have. Oh, I have too, <clears throat> but there were a lot of other things that I'd like to put out. I was thinking about putting out, and now I can't. Why not? Well, it's, I'm not. I'm not digging in snow. Don't you have any cloches? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I have no cloches. Do you think that would have helped? And, and I don't have any lights either. You don't have any lights. Lights. You haven't heard that term on your English show? No. Oh, lights. Why? That that just means uh, glass. Oh, yeah. okay. Greenhouses were covered with lights, don't you know? That, that no, doesn't mean the incandescent type. No. Certainly not the LED type. That means glass. Glass. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, they just refer to cloches and fleece. That's the cover, isn't it? Yeah, that's that frost blanket frost stuff. Bl- that we call white, frost blanket. Yeah. yeah. Fleece. That white, <laughs> that white feather light stuff. That you I can most suppose you can make your own if you had a couple of sheep running around. <laughs> fleece. Huh. I wonder how that got its name. It doesn't look like fleece. No, it doesn't. And I can't imagine, you know, having a bunch of sheep lie down on your plants would be a good idea. <laughs> I don't think so. Keep them warm, though. <laughs> yeah, it would. And they'd, they'd have something to eat while they were laying there. <laughs> they would indeed. Hey, we're going to do a garden show here this morning. The way this operates is that you ask us a garden questions, please. And here's our phone number, 303-477-2473. That will get you in here to the studio. And there's a whole gang of people in here waiting for your phone call. And to manipulate it through whatever digital things they do, and it finally gets to us. And, and until we get phone calls, every 30 seconds, they get an electrical shock. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and to fill up time, since we were talking about animals. Yes. We got an animal. We haven't had an animal ever in our entire married life. Got oh, a cat. That's right. We got a cat. <laughs> And I just found a a prince formerly known as Princess. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And I just found out something about cats, domesticated cats, that is, cats. Mm -hmm. They're really not domesticated. They just made them small. Oh, yeah? Because if they were any bigger, they would eat us. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That friendly, is he? Yeah, they they bite a lot, I'll tell you. Sharp teeth, too. They got, like, puppy teeth forever. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. They draw blood. 
then they sit there and lick it up. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> He's a good cat <clears throat> so far. Most of the time. As long as you keep your distance. But huh? man, do they shed. Holy Moses. Oh, really? That's too bad. And I don't, I don't know where they're shedding from. I mean, obviously, it's coming from a cat. You know, if you go through the house and use your mop and fucking, gee, look at all that stuff that's gathered up. You got kitty bunnies all over the place. Yeah, but no bald spots on the cat. <laughs> Not that we can tell. <laughs> they should have several by yeah. now. Yeah. My goodness. It's not like you, you look at the cat and they're just shedding. I mean, I, yes, they lose. I mean, I lose hair. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't gather up on the floor like a cat. <laughs> Only in the bathroom. <laughs> Jeez. So, um, let's see. I guess I was going to say what, we planted, what we've planted outside so far. Yes. I planted out some peas uh, that I started indoors in cell packs. I just direct sowed them into cell packs. And then before this last cold snap, they had been outside for a good 10 days, about six inches tall. So I planted them before the snow. <laughs> and we shall see. <laughs> we shall. <laughs> and I did something I saw on that British gardening show I've been watching. They don't use trellises, or at least this guy doesn't use trellises to grow his peas on. He uses pea sticks. Okay. <laughs> I've always thought of those as pregnancy yeah, tests, well, but, you know. Yeah. Um, so I was pruning that cotoneaster you gave me. Mm-hmm. And so I saved the pruning pieces yeah. from that mm-hmm. and stuck them in the ground yep. where I planted the peas for them to grow up on. Mm-hmm. Have they grown up on it yet? <laughs> <laughs> hasn't been long enough. I also planted sweet peas that I also had started inside. And the reason I start them inside is we have these pesky things called finches. Yes. And sometimes magpies. And if I direct seed them in the ground outside, as soon as they start coming up, they get attacked. So I start them inside and plant them out as pre-started plants, and the birds don't seem to notice. Go figure. I don't know. I see that our finches are feeding on the flowers of my Nanking cherry. Aha. Uh-huh. Just the flowers, just the petals. Thank you very much. I mean, they can have all they want because with the weather we've been having, it's not going to amount to much this year. No. Too cold. That's right. That's right. Oh, I also planted broccoli plants. Yeah. That I had started from seed myself, patting myself on the back right now. And they'd been hardening off as well, so they should be fine. Uh, and you can too. I mean, there's, you know, once we have this snow on Monday, uh, if you've got some coal crops, C O L E, not mm-hmm. C O L D, but C O L E, I guess, where, where does that word come from? I think it comes from cold, C O L D. Oh. I okay. think. Same derivation, I think. All right. Well, anyway, uh, coal crops would include things like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower. What else? What am I um, missing? <clears throat> kale. Kale. Kohlrabi, probably. Kohlrabi, yep, another yeah. one. Those, those, can, those prefer, they actually need to be planted out early, in the early part of the year. Uh, if you plant them too late, they just bolt and go to seed. Yeah, as soon as we hit 80 degrees, that's it. They're done. Yeah. So get them out early if you want a crop. Um, once they're established and growing well, the temperatures don't seem to be so crucial. But when they're little, the temperatures seem to be much more crucial. Also, the watering. Never, 
ever, 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 ever let them dry out enough to wilt. You might as well pull them all out and throw them away. No, you, you're going to keep them thinking, thinking that they'll revert to juvenility again. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that, that doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. No. No. So, um, so, yeah, those can go out as soon as we get past this next Monday. Uh, and, and when you're buying plants, if, you, if you're buying plants to do this with, uh, you haven't started them from seed yourself. It's getting a little late to start them from seed at this point. Yeah. Um, go to the garden center, buy some plants that are outdoors, if you can, so that, or, and, you know, in a cold greenhouse, so that it only takes a few days to harden them off once you get them home before you plant them outdoors. If they're really, in a, if they're in a warm greenhouse and they're really lush and beautiful and gorgeous, um, it's going to take longer to harden them off before you plant them, at least a week or 10 days to get them used to being outdoors, which is what hardening off means. Same thing for your perennials, too. Do I buy those from outdoor benches? Yes. They've already been hardened off. You can plant them immediately. Immediately. Now, if they're inside the greenhouse, not so much. No. Same with roses. Inside the greenhouse, you can't take them home that day, this time of year, and plant them the same day. They'll need to be hardened off. Yep. But if they're outdoors and have been growing outdoors for the past few weeks or more, then they'd be fine to take home. Same with nursery stock. Same with vines. Trees, shrubs, vines, roses, perennials. If they've been growing outdoors at the nursery, they can grow outdoors at your house. There you go. There you go. If you bought some things, you're wondering whether or not you should put them out, why give us a call at 303-477-2473. And we will attempt to answer that question, whatever it might be, whatever plant you uh, you are considering or already have bought and perhaps shouldn't. <laughs> I, I, I like the yes, I saw it. I know what you're going to say. I saw that posting you put on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> on our Facebook page, I put a, a funny cartoon. There was a gal at a, it could be a guy too, I suppose, at a garden center looking at tables of plants. And the first table says... Plants $5 that will die in a week. In a week. <laughs> and then the next table, plants $10 that will die in a month. <laughs> and the next table was plants $25 that will die in two months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's often true, unfortunately. So the, the secret is to buy expensive plants. They'll, they'll last longer in your garden. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> I need to buy $100 plants then. <laughs> No. I don't know about you. Are you a, are you a person who, who saves plants at the grocery store that are on the markdown? I used dollar? to. <clears throat> I don't do that anymore. You don't do that? No. Why not? Um, it, it's never anything I want anyway. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so so no, I, I don't get a big kick out of bringing it back to life. But for beginners? Yeah, I can do that, yeah. That's a, that's a good place to get some cheap plants, and and usually the only reason they're there is, number one, they've gone out of flower, mm-hmm. so nobody wants yeah. to buy them, mm-hmm. and number two, they may they might look a little rough because they may not have got, been getting the best care, but if they're still green and seem viable, you probably can take them home, yeah, for yeah. A, for a cheap price and get them going. If you're in the right place at the right time, you probably could have gotten all the leftover Easter lilies mm-hmm. for nothing. Because yeah. they're going to throw them away. Well, yeah. 
and they're hardy outside here. <clears throat> you can plant them in the yep. ground and treat them as a perennial. They, they won't come up on Easter again, ever. No, <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> They'll come up in June. But speaking of lilies, the garden centers have those but in bulbs, you know, in their bulb oh, section yeah. this time of year. There's all kinds of good stuff there at the garden centers. Um, it's important to buy large, full-sized bulbs. Uh, they're going to be more expensive. Yeah, that this is the place not to go cheap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, don't buy the, you know, 500 bulbs for a buck. <laughs> not going to be worth it. Not even the dollar. But uh, get some full-size bulbs, <clears throat> nice and, and nice and firm, mm-hmm. not mushy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can plant lilies right now. They're available at the garden centers. You can plant them in the ground <clears throat> tomorrow if you want to. I don't know why you would, but... You'll need a snow shovel first. Well, true, <laughs> true. But, you know, you plant those things a good six or more inches deep. And so they're down there protected from the cold weather, and they get rooted in, and they start putting up a shoot. And by the middle of May or end of May, then they start to show above ground. Yeah. So they're nicely protected down there. Um, gladiolas are the same way. You could do that. Or crocosmia. I know a lot of people who are just discovering crocosmia. Lucifer is the variety name that uh, I would recommend. Seems to be the most hardy here, and they're pretty cheap in the garden center as bulbs. Not so much as potted plants. No, and they usually put five, six, seven bulbs in a pot. Yes, which makes a nice display. Which number one, it, the reason they do it, the reason they do that is because they are so cheap. Yes. So you might as well just buy the bulbs. And you wouldn't put seven dahlias in a pot. No. No. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Um, but they also have dahlias is another one that you could buy now and, and get potted up into. I usually start with a, a six or seven inch pot, maybe an eight inch pot, depending on how big the actual, what would that thing be called? A tuber? For dahlia? dahlia tubers? Yeah. 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 Tub- tubers. Yeah. I mean, don't overpot them <clears throat> right off the bat. Keep, put them in as small a pot as you can to comfortably fit the tubers, the root system. With the eye, which is the little growing sprout at the base of this old stem, uh, just below the soil surface. Mine are already up. They were, they were in the ground for maybe three days, and they yeah. poked up above the ground. They're just, they're just can't wait to grow. Speak. Oh, we've got to take a little break. We'll be coming back here shortly with uh, your garden questions, and uh, dial them in here, 303-477-2473, right here on Legends 810. Time for Ask the Bonide Guy. I've got the answers to what's bugging you. Let's get right to our calls. Ellen on line one. Hey, um, so, okay, I have this ash tree I really love named Joanne. Is that weird? Kind of, but hey, if you're okay, I'm okay. Oh, good. Okay. So, I want to protect Joanne from emerald ash borers, but she's like 40 feet tall and I'm a little scared of heights. Ooh, me too. But I've got a solution that'll protect your tree for the whole year without spraying or climbing. Really? Oh, yeah. Just add Bonide Annual Tree and Shrub Insect Control to the base of the tree. The protection's absorbed right up through the roots and carried up into the tree. Oh, and Ellen, there's no climbing or spraying necessary. Oh, yay. It's the most effective way to protect your trees from all the elements. Oh, that's awesome. That'll make Joanne so happy. Oh, yeah. Feel free to give her a hug. Aw, thanks, Bonide guy. Protect your trees and shrubs the easy way with annual tree and shrub insect control from Bonide. Trusted since 1926. Visit your local hardware store or garden center today or learn more at Bonide.com. What's your lawn good for? 
After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend warm summer evenings leisurely eating dinner, afternoons watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games. But your grass can't take that kind of pounding. Soon you see dry patches that turn into dirt and mud. You need a lawn that has been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You need Colorado own Turf Mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in sun or moving shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick, wear-resistant turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought-resistant. Colorado's own Turf Mix is available at your favorite local independent garden retailer. In the spring, everything is about the roots. Use Fertilome Root Stimulator in Plant Starter Solution for everything you plant. Trees, shrubs, ornamentals, and flowers. Make three applications 10 to 14 days apart and get up to 33% more roots. More roots means summer hardiness, increased drought tolerance, and less insect and fungus issues. Fertilome Root Stimulator in Plant Starter Solution also reduces transplant shock and promotes greener, more Plants. Ask for it at your favorite local independent nursery, garden center, or hardware store, including Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, The Tree Farm in Longmont, Tagawa Gardens in Centennial, and Jared's Nursery in Littleton. All right, we're back here. We are taking your phone calls at 303-477-2473. You mentioned something that that, that uh, sparked a, a, a memory in my head, and I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember what, what it was that you said. But we were at a restaurant here over the past week, and, uh, and of course, you go in a restaurant, and there's nothing on the table, mm-hmm. nothing except a paper menu which they throw away after you're done. Right. Okay. Well, I got a, I wanted a cup of coffee. Of course, now you have to remember to, to order everything else that goes with that. Uh, sure. <laughs> In my case, it's cream and sugar. Right. And, and also... Or take your own. Or take my own. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't think they even allow that. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and something else that, that we got that they required salt and pepper. Okay. And cream. Well, I did say that, didn't I? Um, and the same thing applies to mustard and, and ketchup. Then now it comes in those little packets. Mm-hmm. I didn't stop there. I didn't realize that when you're done with your meal, and you usually have a whole bunch of that stuff still there because they give you far more than you ever use. Mm-hmm. Take it home with you. You just throw it away. Because they're just going to throw it away. Yeah. They do not restock with that. Everything gets thrown away. I think all the dishes and everything, they throw all those away, too. <laughs> <laughs> But well, something you said on the break sparked a memory for me, but I remember what you said. <laughs> you were talking about ornamental grasses. Yes, ornamental grasses. In Las Vegas, they were talking about outlawing them because of water use, I, I imagine. Yes, yeah, water use. It turns out that the article that you were reading was about turf grasses, and turf they were calling grasses. it ornamental grasses, yes. uh, in, in unnecessary places. And it reminded me of people coming into the nursery asking me for... <laughs> Uh, Xeric grasses, mm-hmm. low water grasses. They want, you know, like the hardy pampas grass that grows 10 yeah. feet tall, but they don't want to have to water it. And I'm thinking, well, how does it get 10 feet tall without watering it? 
and 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 made me look some more at the grasses and pretty much all of the grasses with the exception of maybe the blonde ambition mm-hmm. are not low water grasses hmm. they come from areas of the country or the world where they get 36 48 or more inches yeah. of moisture a year <clears throat> that's true <clears throat> we get 14 <laughs> if we're lucky <laughs> yeah, if we're lucky <laughs> <laughs> although the sakaton grass mm-hmm. is a native grass and it gets it gets to be a pretty good size it grass. does doesn't it um and even bigger if you actually do water it. Yeah. But once you get it established, you can you can back off and water it almost 100%. And it'll continue on growing. Yeah. Well, I was I was surprised, I, actually, going through the, the stock at the nursery of, of the grasses. And, and, and Nick's has a really good selection of ornamental grasses. Mm-hmm. How many of them are not low-water grasses yep. here? Yeah. Now, they might be a low-water grass in a temperate rainforest in the northwest, but not here. Yeah, most of the garden stuff that you read in magazines and, and other places will tell you that they're low-water. Yeah. Or xeric. Yeah, well, that depends on where that article was written. If it was written in Charlotte, South Carolina, yep, that's a whole lot different kettle of fish. Yeah, so echinacea, the coneflower, is, yeah. is often registered or, or listed as being um, xeric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not here. Same with daylilies. Yep. Daylilies are supposedly xeric. Ha! You just try that. All things try are, it once. <laughs> all things are relative. <clears throat> yep. So consider the source that you're reading the information from. All right. Well, s- speaking of source, we have uh, the source of some questions sitting online here <laughs> waiting to talk to us. Let's go out and talk to Dennis on line one about his stump removal question. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Uh, I'd like to know what you, you had a name of a recommendation or not a recommendation, but of an individual to a stump removal. What is what is that contact information? That contact information is a phone number. And you're ready? Yes. I'm <clears throat> That's 303. 303- Two four six six eight nine one. Okay, two four six six eight ninety one three zero three. That's right. And the owner of that company is Mordecai, who used to go by Glenn. Yeah, but he'll, he'll go. He'll go by anything you call him. Yeah. And uh, the company name is Stump Removal and Daughter. Stump Removal and Daughter. Great. That's what I need to know this morning. All right. And Mordecai and, and his uh, business partner, Patrick, who I'm required by law to say is cute as a button, uh, <laughs> they will be happy to take care of pretty much anything that you have as far as stump removal goes. Plus, they do tree pruning and yeah. other things as well. And if you have a tight space, he can take his uh, stump removal equipment through a three-foot-wide gate. Yeah. I think our gate might be three and a half foot. So yeah, you all go. right, you're, you got six. You got three inches on either side. I had him take out a stump okay. that was right up against my foundation, and I was, you know, most places won't even touch that if it's right up against yeah. the yeah. foundation. And and he has machinery that can handle that. So uh, pretty much, like I said, any situation he'll be able to, to deal with. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. You, you bet. bet. Thanks for calling this morning. I think he's got something like twenty three of those pieces of equipment doesn't he or and they're Ferraris or something yeah, he's right? got, <laughs> they're big I mean he's got a lot of them just in case one breaks down that's right so there you go so yeah either either Mordecai or Patrick will be taking care of you 
if you give them a call. Tell them you heard it from us, the Garden Wise guys. They always like to know that we send referrals their way. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You mentioned something earlier about putting stuff in the garden, and I was just thinking, what are the things that I planted? I planted from seed. Mm -hmm. I didn't put any plants in. Did I? Yes, I did. I put a horseradish in. Ooh. You're brave. I may may rue the day. You are brave. (laughs) And and of all places, I got it for free from my dentist. It's still, <laughs> I don't care how free it is. <laughs> I don't think I would do that. But anyway, I did sow uh, lettuce and spinach and radishes and carrots and kohlrabi and leeks and onions. Wow. And lions and tigers, oh my. <laughs> You've been a busy boy. Yeah, and I've been out looking, waiting, 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 waiting. You did no-till this year, too, didn't you? I Yeah, no-till gardening. See how not, not on purpose? And I found out <laughs> that... <laughs> My lettuce packet apparently has a hole in it. Oh, yeah? Because I'm seeing them all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they're they pretty good at germinating. And, and, they, and, and the lettuce is finally poking its head up, and I saw a, a spinach that's coming up, and the rest of it's just, you know, it's going to be there until June. Oh, yeah? Jeez. Well... I collected my own seed on on uh, on lettuce. I know you gave me enough for the next you know six decades. I know, and I have at least twenty decades in my. In a, <laughs> Too bad it doesn't last that long. <laughs> anyway, they went to seed, and I collected the seed, and that's probably what's coming up. Seed blows all over the place. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back out to the phones. Dan is waiting to talk to us uh, about a carrot issue. Yeah, that's carrot. what it is. Good morning, Dan. Yeah, Dan. Good morning, my carrots. Uh, Grew down properly about four or five inches. Uh-huh. Doubled backwards, going back to the surface. Uh, another three or four inches. Okay. Did you did you uh, direct sow those in the ground, or did you transplant them into the ground for, as plants? I uh, planted... Uh, see, uh, seeds. You planted seeds in the ground. Okay. Because uh, I've seen that happen when people try to start carrots in pots and then transfer them to the garden no. and the, the roots get no, bent. I didn't. Okay. The other thing, um, did, did you add anything to the soil this year? Yes. What did you add? Some uh, miracle grow. Oh, okay. Some fertilizer. All right. Uh, yeah. Did you add any compost or manure or anything? No. No. That's good. Okay. Well, I, I've asked all the questions I have. <laughs> I, I have no idea why they might be growing back towards the surface. Um, this is a garden box. And these are left over from last year? No. No. Just bought a new package. This is a garden box that I inherited in a community uh, uh, and uh, this is the first time I've planted carrots. Okay, now we'll have to go through the step by step. You planted, you sowed the carrots in the ground and how do we know that they're growing back up? When I harvested them, they stopped about four inches 
in length in the correct direction. Okay. And and then turned uh, 180 degrees and started growing back up another three or four inches toward the surface. All right. Now, the next question I have is, how deep is your planter, planter box? Well, I suppose, I've never dug it up, but I suppose that it's uh, about uh, 10 inches deep, 9 or 10. Hmm. And, and all the carrots did this, or just a few? No, all of the carrots. All the carrots. That is puzzling. They were the decorative, uh, the colored carrots. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I don't know why that might have happened. Um. And, and there's dirt. Surely the, the, there's dirt uh, to the center of the earth underneath this garden. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, so it's an open bottom then. Interesting. Open bottom, yes. Yeah. I'm assuming that, yes. Okay. It's it's just uh, four uh, two by tens uh, creating the 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 surround for mm-hmm. the, uh, cre- creating the box. The only other thing I can think of is uh, might have been a watering issue. How do how do you water how did you water them? By hand. Mm-hmm. With a, with a hose. Okay. I'm wondering if the water got I down. I I had overwatered uh, the previous year, and a neighbor told me uh, corrected that. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if the water got deep enough, such that most of the water available to the plant was closer to the surface, and not down oh. deep where the where the That's the end of that taproot is. That's true. And so the roots were growing where the water was mostly, and that was closer oh, to I the see. surface. Yeah, but the other vegetables uh, didn't need that correction. Is that right? The tomatoes and the lettuce and the yeah, they all they are all deep rooted. Well, the lettuce isn't, but the tomatoes, cucumbers, you know, those bigger plants are all pretty deep rooted and want to get the you need to get the water down ten or twelve inches deep, which it's hard to do when you hand water because yeah. when you're hand watering, it looks like after thirty seconds or so the the soil starts to puddle and you think, oh, it must be wet enough. And yes. in, in reality, if you were to go in there after you water la- like that and dig down with a trowel, you'd find that maybe the top inch of soil is really, really wet, but below that is still dry. And it's only because when you hand water, you put the water on so quickly that it doesn't have a chance to soak in as fast as you're applying it. Yes. So it starts to puddle on top. So I think I'd, instead of hand watering, I would go with a sprinkler uh, that you could set to run you know, on a, on a lower volume, but for over a longer period of time. And, and I think it's before impossible. you plant... Yeah, it's impossible because I uh, share this with uh, about uh, 20 other uh, community, community oh. members. 
All right. Well, I think the next thing I was going to say was before you plant this year, I would take the time uh, either yourself or have somebody dig down at least a foot deep into that into that soil to loosen it all up so that the water can penetrate down quickly. And maybe if if the soil is really dense, you might want to add some compost to uh, loosen it up a bit so that the water can penetrate uh, as quickly as you're putting it on. I would have to create that compost over months, months of time, right? Well, that or you can actually buy it by the bag. Yeah, the garden oh, centers all sell. Ca- yeah, yeah. All, all the garden centers sell compost. And one last I, thing, Don uh, or Dan, when you water, yeah. um, go ahead and water by hand if that's what you must do. But then come yes. back in 15, 20 minutes and water it again. And do that several times so that you ensure that the water actually does get deep into the soil. Okay. Because it's going to want to puddle puddle up once you if you use an open hose on it. Yeah. Or don't plant carrots. (laughs) (laughs) You could do that, I guess. (laughs) Well, I think it would be interesting, Don. That's what I'll do. Well, if you can loosen the soil up enough, though, you should be able to plant carrots. Or plant a carrot that doesn't have the really long root. There are some shorter, uh, short-growing carrots that only get about four inches long. That would be perfect for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. But I think it would be fun as an experiment this summer when you hand water. Uh, Like Jim said, go back in 10 or 15 minutes and take a trowel and dig down in the soil and see how far down that water actually got. Okay. And that will help you figure out how to hand water more effectively. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, show. Thanks a lot. Take care. You too, Dan. All right, we're coming up on the clock here that says we have to take a break, and we're going to do that and come back shortly to take your garden questions at 303-477-2473 here on Legends 810. At DeWitt Company, we have fabrics for every reason and products for every season. When frost, freezing temperatures, and cold nights threaten your veggies and flowers, DeWitt's Insulate Fabric Blanket provides a safe environment for your tender plants during unpredictable cold snaps this spring. DeWitt Insulate is a medium-weight, permeable, UV-treated fabric designed to protect flowering annuals, bedding plants, and vegetables from cold and freezing temperatures. This fabric installs easily and is reusable. Insulate lets you get out there and plant earlier, giving you a jump start on our short growing season. Don't take a chance when frosty weather threatens. Protect your time, hard work, and money with DeWitt Insulate Fabric as a low-cost insulation against the elements. DeWitt Landscaping Products and Plant Fabrics are the number one choice of professionals in the lawn and garden industry. DeWitt's high-performance quality products save time and are environmentally safe for the responsible homeowner. One company, one call. Over 600 products. Go to www.dewittcompany.com for more information. You'll find DeWitt Insulate at your favorite independent garden centers, including Lafayette Forest and Greenhouse, Nick's Garden Center, Tagawa Gardens, and Jared's Nursery. What's your lawn good for? After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? 
No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend warm summer evenings leisurely eating dinner. Afternoons, watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games. But your grass can't take that kind of pounding. Soon, you see dry patches that turn into dirt and mud. You need a lawn that has been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You need Colorado own Turf Mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in sun or moving shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick, wear-resistant turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought-resistant. Colorado's own Turf Mix is available at your favorite local independent garden retailer. We are taking your garden questions here on Legends 810. It is the Garden Wise Show with the Garden Wise guys. I'm one of them and Keith is the other one over there. I'm and drinking we, my coffee. Don't bother and me. We, and we both respond to this following number, 303-477-2473. We started fars- first started this. <laughs> Farsing? <laughs> Bunch of years ago. Did we have the, the, the area code 303? You got me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember when that started. I don't remember either. Maybe our research and development department can tell us. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but it sure made made the life a little easier. You don't have to remember. Jeez, area codes. Uh-huh. Why should you need, need an area code? Come on. We all live in the same place here. Not like we're calling New York or something. Well, when I was a kid, the phone number was Atwater <clears throat> 3 and then four numbers. Ours was Underhill 4. Underhill 4? <laughs> yes. I don't know where the Underhill part came from. I never did learn. I don't know where the Atwater came yeah. from. But they're, they, they came from somewhere. Had a good reason at the time. Probably somebody's name. Probably. I got an interesting little thing here. Mm. <clears throat> In 1810, on this date, and we'd never have guessed this, pineapple cheese was Ew. patented. Ew. I didn't know you could patent it to cheese. Patented by Lewis M. Norton. Pineapple cheese. Apparently it wasn't all that popular. I, I don't remember not. seeing pineapple cheese anywhere. Although I do like <clears throat> pineapple on my pizza. I do, too. I do, too. Some people don't. That's just anathema. Well, some people, like my wife, do not like sweet and savory in the same bite. How about umami? <laughs> <clears throat> I like umami in my pizza. Do you? <laughs> yes. Okay. You can get that separately, you know, a little... It comes in a little jar. A little jar? <laughs> Along with gluten. Oh. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Okay, good. Let's oh, see. What else are we going to talk dear. about today? I don't know. Lawn care. That's a good okay. one for this All time right. of year. What are you, you going to do with your lawn? I was thinking about going out and maybe cutting grass. Really? And Already? Then, and then the snow said, nope, you're not going to do it. Not going to do it. So I'm I didn't. sorry. I haven't cut mine either. But it is a great time to be aerating if you haven't already. You still have time all through the month of May even. It's a good time to aerate the lawn. And if you're going to aerate, I would do that before you fertilize. Yeah, so the fertilizer falls down in all those holes. Because that's where the roots are, don't you yeah. know? and if it doesn't, you can crawl around with the tweezers and pick, pick up the fertilizer pellets and drop them down. <laughs> drop the them in there. <laughs> Pretty good. You know, we're a little funnel. 
You yeah, a fill, little funnel. You could yeah. fill up all those holes. Now we should develop an aerator that f- has a fertilizer injector, so that it's, as it aerates, uh, it drops fertilizer into the hole as it creates. They do it on farms, don't you know? We'd be millionaires. We'd, they get, we'd be rich. They, <laughs> they get equipment on farms. Of course, you know, they can drag all kinds of stuff behind that tractor. Well, I know. And they can drag fertilizer and and uh, and chop up soil kind of devices mm-hmm. and dead farm and, animals and, and, and plants and herbicide, all in one pass. Yeah, it can be done. So, <laughs> so you see a big Aulis Chalmers tractor in your yard <laughs> <laughs> pulling all this equipment behind. Yeah. It. the turning radius is a little too tight though in most yards. I don't think it would fit through the gate. <clears throat> Now you'd have to tear down your your, your fence. My, my my decorative element, I can't call it a fence. Not allowed in our HOA. Oh, that's right. You do have a <clears throat> decorative element mm-hmm. that happens to be long and <laughs> <laughs> fence-like. And fence-like. <clears throat> but not a true fence. No, no, because I use it as a trellis to grow my clematis. There you go. It's a trellis, not or, a fence. Or clematis. Yep. Uh, are you are you are you growing a bush type clematis clematis? I have several. Yes, Mongolian bells, of yeah, course. Yeah. Got to have that. And then the new one, the Mongolian snowflake. There's a bunch of new ones, yellow ones, typically, that are bushy to short height to eight to ten foot. There's um, clematis recta is one. Yeah. That's blue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And heterofolia <clears throat> is that what it's called? Yeah, Heterofolium I think so. or heterofolia? Another bush type that gets to about three feet or so. I find that all of them need some kind of support. Yeah. Unless you don't mind them just rambling around on the ground. Yeah. yeah. But especially Mongolian bells. Uh, it, I like growing it in amongst other perennials that they can use for support. For support, yeah. And then it just kind of pokes its head up here and there and mm-hmm, blooms. Mm-hmm. and It's, it's kind of charming. Sort of like, sort of like pulsatia. Yeah. Yeah, which, and is these, a, which is a relative. These you cut back to the ground. They're all in the Ranunculaceae butter, family. Yeah, the buttercup yes. family, yeah. yes. So there you know more than about clematis than you probably ever wanted to know. That's right. But if you do want to know more, why give us a call at 303-477-2473. Oh, and to finish up on the lawn care thing, aerate, fertilize, <clears throat> and if you're going to put down a pre-emergent, now is the time to do it. Yes, yeah, I know there's snow on the ground, and you may want to wait until it... Uh, now is a relative term. It is. <laughs> it, I, yeah, anything, anything it, goes these it days. It could be, you know, the next 15 seconds or, or 15 days. Yeah. You know, that's... That's right. Hey, don't put it on today, because that snow will clog up the wheels of your spreader. It will. Yeah. yeah. Can't, and if you're going to overseed the grass to thicken it up, do not put down a weed preventer. No. It won't let your, your lawn seed come up. Lawn preventers prevent seed from fully germinating. That's right. They actually try to germinate, and it won't allow them to go any further. So. Right. Stops them in their tracks. Yep. So, but, if, uh, but if you have perennial weeds, wouldn't be a bad time of year to you can treat those as well. Yeah, perennial. When, when, when it warms up a bit. What Jim's talking about is weeds that are coming up from <clears throat> roots from last year. Like? Like dandelions. Dandelions. Or bindweed. Uh-huh. Thistle, clover, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. Things that are not coming up from seed, but are coming up from established root systems. Yeah. And the weed preventer will not touch those. Weed preventer only covers germinating seed. 
So that's that's the trick there. Yep. So what would you use now on the on the perennial broadleafed weeds? Wheat freeze on will work. Oh yeah. It may little, be a little slow at these kind of temperatures, but it'll work. That's about the only thing that'll work with these cool yeah. temperatures. It's designed for cool yeah. season application. So that works. Fertilome weed-free zone. It's great for that. You can spot treat. I think that's the best way to go is just to spot treat where you have to have it. Uh, and that way you're not using so much. And there's no reason to go out and just broadcast it all over the place. No. Not going to do it. That's right. No. All right. Well, we've got some callers on the line waiting yeah. to talk right. to us. Uh, Sean, why don't we go out and see what Betty's up to on line one. Good morning, Betty. Good morning. How are you this morning? Wonderful. Oh, I'm good. I'm so happy to hear you guys. I just <laughs> well, thank you. Hello, and I found the program last week, and I've listened to you for over 25 years, so it's been a long time. Oh, bless your heart. Lots of calls. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I just had to call and say welcome back. Well, and, thank you. Uh, yeah, I I. Gonna turn ninety six next week. Can't do any gardening, but this helps me to listen to all the well. Bless your heart. Flowers, yeah. So good luck and continue on. Well, thank you, Betty, and happy yep. birthday. Well, thank you. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks, Betty. Bye bye. All right. Well, that was sweet. And it's time for another break. Okay, well, when we come back, we'll talk to JT about something that's not flowering, and he wants to know why. All right, might be the snow and cold temperatures, but we'll find out right here in Legends 810. What's your lawn good for? After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend warm summer evenings leisurely eating dinner, afternoons watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games. But your grass can't take that kind of pounding. Soon you see dry patches that turn into dirt and mud. You need a lawn that has been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You need Colorado's own Turf Mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in sun or moving shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick, wear-resistant turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought-resistant. Colorado's own Turf Mix is available at your favorite local independent garden retailer. In the spring, everything is about the roots. Use Fertilome Root Stimulator in Plant Starter Solution for everything you plant. Trees, shrubs, ornamentals, and flowers. Make three applications 10 to 14 days apart and get up to 33% more roots. More roots means summer hardiness, increased drought tolerance, and less insect and fungus issues. Fertilome Root Stimulator in Plant Starter Solution also reduces transplant shock and promotes greener, more vigorous plants. Ask for it at your favorite local independent nursery, garden center, or hardware store, including Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, The Tree Farm in Longmont, Tagawa Gardens in Centennial, and Jared's Nursery in Littleton. All right, we're back. A short little break there. 
And uh, we are probably going to go out and talk to JT at this moment. Let's do that. Good morning, JT. Thanks for calling the Wise Guys. Morning, gentlemen. What's going on with your bad self? Well, I've got two things for you. Number one, I'm sure that your screener cannot spell forsythia. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Because that's, that's my problem. Ah. I'm looking at a 30-year-old plant that every year it's one of the first things to flower. And as of right now, there are maybe four or five flower, yellow flowers. And the plant's over six feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I was planning to cut it to the ground as soon as it was through flowering this year because I have not been pruning it out adequately over time, and it's pretty thick down around the base. Uh, first of all, I wondered, could it possibly be dead? Or it, This is interesting, JT. This is interesting because Jim and I were talking about this very subject before the show started today. I've got two of them in my backyard. The only flowers that I have on mine are down near the ground that I can probably count on one hand. Yep. And, right. and the rest of the stems are dead. And well, Except that I've got a few, you know, just a sporadic couple up maybe three and a half, four feet off the ground. Okay. But right now, there's so much snow on it, I can't even see where, <laughs> where the flowers were. Yeah. And it's. Weird. I was driving in down into Denver. No, we had yesterday or day before. Yeah. Oh, I was driving down in the Denver area, the Cherry Creek area, as a matter of fact, a few days ago before the snow, and the forsythia were gorgeous, beautiful. Um, okay. They. It's always warmer there. They always start sooner. I'm. I'm you know what I'm going to do with mine this year? I'm going to dig them out and throw them away and plant something else. <laughs> well, I'm going to try and cut it. How? Sh- how close to the ground should I cut it in the hopes and should I fertilize what's still there because there's obviously some life in it well I would determine the stems that you do have right now determine if they are still alive yeah and you can do that with the old fingernail test or just break them (laughs) yeah that (laughs) too that works Break dead. Yeah, you could use your fingernail, and if your fingernails are all, all gone, then you use a, a, a knife and just scrape uh, sure. part of the of branch and see if it's green under there. Yeah. If it's green, it's still alive, and there's still hope. But all you right. can cut it to the ground. I mean, you don't have to leave any stubble at all. Okay. Well, I thought I'd take a, a chainsaw out there and just... Yep, that's the easiest way to do it, be- yep. and before the leaves come out, because then it just gets messier. Yeah, okay. All right. Now, other thing I wanted to say, and I, I hate to chastise you guys, but I, I called last week, and you said, oh, you can take the rose collars off Sunday night because our freezes are over. <laughs> I did. I did for the record, that. I did not say that. Yeah, I, I did not take the collars <laughs> off. I was happy. I talked to my wife, and she said, you know, I understand we're going to have more snow this week. And I Uh said, well, all right, then I'll leave them up. And I don't know where you live, but I had snow probably six to eight inches deep. I'm out by Park Meadows Mall. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think you're probably radcasting from right across the street, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where you're located. Oh, no, we're we're up here at Parker and Yale. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
But I live real close to Park Meadows, as a matter of fact. Okay, well. We had snow I, there, too. I, I did not take the, the collars off, and I'm glad that I did not No, I, I think you did the right thing. There are several of these rose bushes that are not showing any signs of life other than very close to the roots. Yeah, that that's fine. It's 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 the years, not you, not anything you did. Well, I understand that, but should I should I see if that's still alive, or should I cut it off, or? I would wait if I if they were mine. Okay, okay. how long? Until uh, the new growth comes out and is growing, you know, several inches long. Yep. That'll tell you where all the dead stuff is. See, I see a number of the buds have on the particularly on the climbing roses next to the fence. There are leaves starting to come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole lot that isn't showing any <clears throat> signs of life. And that's okay. I mean, they, they, it's not unusual for roses not to leaf out over the whole length of the branch all at once. Okay. Okay. And, and every variety is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Very good. Well, I appreciate your thoughts and... and uh, I will ch- I'll take that frisivia down as soon as I don't see any more yellow. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, sir. Thanks right. for your call, JT. Thanks, JT. Once again, I appreciate you being on for a much longer time. <clears throat> well, we enjoy it. Lots of fun to listen to you. Well, thank you. Indeed. Have a good one. Have a All good right. weekend. Um, you too. Speaking of frisithias, they have a there's a bunch of problems associated with it I found over the years. Number one, it's the flower buds that form last year mm-hmm. sometime. Late, late summer, yeah. And, and the, each variety is a little bit different, but many of them are not cold hardy for our lowest temperatures here. The buds. The buds. The flower the buds. The buds itself. Yeah. Now, as the buds start swelling and getting, looks like they're going to start opening, um, they can be affected by low temperatures as well. They're even less hardy. Even point. less hardy then. Uh, and then with new growth, like I think what Keith is describing there, that, that occurred last year, low temperatures can kill the stems. Mm-hmm. So there's any number of reasons that they don't bloom. They hardly ever bloom in my yard because of typically late, what we call late spring frost. And it's not late. It's normal. <laughs> this is the nature of the beast here. Yeah, exactly. Our, our last frost is typically, and that's an average, May 12th. Yeah. Except when it isn't. What is, and, and what does that actually even mean? Does it mean there's a, there's a 50% chance that it might or might not freeze after that? Yep. 50% chance, I believe. I think it's what the number is. Okay. And with each succeeding day, that percentage in decreases by like 0.001 percent (laughs) yes something like that (laughs) so if we have an what we call an early spring Mm -hmm. and then we have a cold snap there go your buds your flower buds which is why i'm digging mine out altogether and i think i might try planting one of those low to the ground varieties that they call them ground cover for scythias Mm -hmm. only grow a foot or two tall because it seems like that's the only place I get flowers anyway. <laughs> right. And with any luck, we'll get a foot of snow to protect them. There you go. <laughs> it's a lot easier to cover them. 
But they do bloom uh, prolifically in, in in town, that is, you know, yes. downtown Denver or close by. It, it's just simply warmer there. It doesn't well, get as cold yeah. at night as it does out in the peripheries. Well, I grew up in Kansas, and, you know, when spring hit, it pretty much stayed. It didn't go away and come back and change yep. its mind and, you know, winter would intercede and all that crap. We had uh, We had spring, and... Forsythias bloomed magnificently there, and it yeah. was it was one of my childhood memories. It was a very nostalgic. It's a very nostalgic plant for yeah. me. Oh, yeah. I would love to be able to grow it. Yeah. And there are certain varieties, like Jim said, whose flower buds are more hardy than others, and especially varieties that were developed up in the northern part of this country. No, don't ask me what they are. I, yeah, me too. Uh, but, but try finding that information. Flower bud hardiness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just doesn't exist. And, and flower bud hardiness at what stage? At what stage of opening, yes. Yes. Now, I think this is information that could be derived fairly easily by those people with clipboards and, and white lab coats. Or a grad student. Uh, especially Wanting grad to do students. a thesis. <laughs> That's right who have nothing else to do on their hands except stand out in the field with a, with a thermometer <laughs> and measure. <laughs> <laughs> well, who know what kind of thermometer you yeah, use. For days on end. And where you would stick it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that information I find is, is next to impossible because I'd, be I'd like to be able to grow a, a nice flowering magnolia in my backyard. Oh, yeah. Now, I know some of them are later blooming mm-hmm. to maybe escape some of our late spring frost. I dare you to find that information online anywhere. Well, they make all kinds of claims online. Yeah. But what do you believe? Um, That's the other thing. How accurate are the claims? I know. Well, that, that too. But I, I'd, I'd be willing to start if someone who, who actually has measured it and can give me information. But it's, it's just simply not there. So I'm not, I'm not going to plant the flowering magnolia. I think this year is another year they're, they're not going to perform. Yeah, I've got one. I've got a star magnolia in my backyard, mm-hmm. a little one. That, I mean, it, it might be two feet tall. Yeah. And it was starting to put flowers out. So I'll go check and see what they look like. I expect them to be black <laughs> at this point. <laughs> you got one of those special ones, huh? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. But... It just depends on what kind of gardener you are. If you're patient and are willing to go with one year out of five or six where you get a nice display, then it might be worth it to you. That's the year you take tons and tons of pictures. You stay home from work and you look at it all day. All day long. <laughs> Put lights on it at night so you can enjoy it. That's right. For that year. And then be prepared not to see it again for that's right five or six or ten years. Or be disappointed when you see those flower buds going the nice pink yes, and pretty tight. And you figure, oh, boy, next week it's going to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does happen. So that's unfortunate. But, uh, but what, you know, the year that they're good, they are very good. They are. They really are. And they're worth, when, when, if it's good in your yard, you know that they're going to be good all around town. So it's worth a drive around to oh, check yeah, other people's yeah. as well and see what other varieties are out there that you may never have noticed before because they hadn't bloomed. That's right. Do you hear music? I do. All right. That indicates we have to get out of here and take a little break over the top of the hour. We're going to be back pretty soon right here on Legends 810.
Spring is the time for seeds. Every botanical interest seed packet is designed to help gardeners succeed. Featuring gorgeous botanical artist renderings of each variety, each packet includes extensive horticultural information, but also includes really cool stuff like the history of the plant, recipes, and tips on keeping your cut flowers and harvested vegetables fresh. On a regular basis, a horticulturist reviews each seed packet to give practical organic gardening recommendations that you can use in your garden to be successful. These seed packets also help answer quick questions on the front and back while shopping, such as if it's organic, size of plant, when to sow, and more. Seed packets by gardeners for gardeners. Botanical Interest Seed is available at your favorite independent garden retailer. The friendly folks at Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden are excited that spring is really here. The first shipments of veggies and flowers have arrived and more spring product arrives almost daily. This is a great time to add compost to your beds when getting them ready for the growing season. It is also time to overseed your lawn if it was sparse last year. Grass likes cooler weather and Mother Nature often helps with the watering in April. If you had weed issues last year, now is the perfect time to put down a pre-emergent weed killer to minimize new weeds. The knowledgeable staff will be happy to answer your questions about spring lawn care. There will be a socially distanced class on lawn care Saturday, April 10th at 11 a.m. and again Sunday, April 11th at 1 p.m. And yes, there will be a discussion about those nasty Japanese beetles, which are here to stay. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden is located at 10500 West Bowles Avenue between Kipling and Sims. Spring hours are 9 to 6, Monday through Friday, and 9 to 5 on weekends. They hope to see you soon. It's like the difference between soft, gentle rain and a monsoon. That's how I compare the effect of a Dram Rain wand on plants to the hard blast of a typical spray nozzle attachment to your garden hose. Water flows through 400 tiny holes in the Dram Rain Wand's soft shower nozzle to bathe and refresh your plants, not damage them or wash away soil. Its handy reach handle has a 60-degree bend and conveniently extends to more distant garden rows and hanging baskets. And there's a fingertip shutoff valve. No wonder professional growers in the greenhouses and nurseries use Dram watering tools. Today, there are imitators, but nothing matches the superior quality of the original, invented over 50 years ago. They're simply the best. Dram watering tools are available at Tagawa Gardens, Nick's Gardens, Jared's Garden Center, and Lafayette Florist and Greenhouse. Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. Get ready, get set, go. It's time for the Garden Wise Show here with the Garden Wise Guys. I'm one of the Garden Wise Guys. I'm Jim Borland, and Keith Funk is the other Garden Wise Guy. I'm over here. He's over there. And at home are our Garden Wise Wives. 
<laughs> Listening intently to the yeah, show. They are indeed. They, they don't let us get away with anything. No. Hey, over the last, uh, uh, before before the break, we were talking about Forsythias, I think. Yeah. Some years are just great, especially here in, or you say, downtown Denver. But the same thing applies to wisterias, in my mind. Yes. They are kind of iffy here, too. Mm-hmm. The vines grow great, yeah. for the most part. And uh, But they don't seem to bloom very well because they, too, are early bloomers. I have that in quotation marks. And they try to bloom, and then there comes a freeze and does them in. But every now and again, we will have a great year for, for wisterias. And if you drive around, you think, God, where did these all come from? They weren't they're, there last they, year. They're like everywhere, yeah. covering the entire sides of houses and buildings Yeah, yeah. in glorious purple color. But, you know, take a good look because that's it for five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Won't see it again. Same with peaches. Peaches, that's, uh, nectarines. Are, no, nectarines. Apricots. Thank you. Uh, don't even go there. Don't even go there. We rarely get a, a good apricot year mm-hmm. great looking plant beautiful plant gorgeous great tree leaves. shiny yeah. leaves great looking plant bone card colardi mm-hmm. I think it'll go like 40 below zero yeah but not the flowers which just doesn't make sense you would think and if yeah. you look at all the literature about describing this or that or another um, a plant you'll see boy they really highlight the, the cold hardiness of it yeah, of the plant. The plant. Yes. <laughs> it's nothing to do with, with the flowers. All I can figure is that it evolved or is native to an area that once it starts to warm up, it doesn't get cold again. Yeah, it doesn't get cold again. No, yep. that, that the springs are more stable. Yep. We just don't have that here. Yeah, unfortunately. They do get to be big trees here. Um, there are a couple of notable ones in, uh, in Colorado. But, uh, boy, they just don't produce fruit very often. Yeah, we, what we should do is be talking to Edie, who used to call into the phone, uh, into the show. Yeah, she's got like... She has a whole hedge of them. Like 40 acres of them. Yeah. <laughs> and find out how often she gets fruit. That would be a good... Yeah. A good uh, indicator. Of well, when they do flower, and occasionally you'll see the flowers, they're very very pretty little pinkish flowers. Mm-hmm. Very fragrant. Very, very nice. And, the bees uh, love them. Yeah. Yep. Yep, indeed. All right. Well, let's get back out to the phones. We've got Pat on line one waiting to talk to us about lilacs. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Good. Thank you. Uh, We bought three uh, containers of lilacs, Miss Kim lilacs, put them on our patio, and then we got that cold weather and we didn't take them in uh, the night before last, and the leaves are starting to curl a little bit. They're 3.5-gallon containers, three of them. And we wondered if it's worth trying to put them in the ground in a couple weeks or if they might have had it because of the cold weather or how we would tell. Are the leaves still green and just curling a little? Yeah, they're still green, yeah. Then they're fine. They'll produce more. Oh, Oh, okay. Okay. Very good. That's all I have. Okay. Thanks for calling, Pat. Thank you. Bye. That's a nice little short lilac that's pretty doggone reliable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't produce as big, giant trusses of flowers, but when it is in flower, there's lots of them. Yeah, it only grows to about five feet tall. 
easy to easy to maintain a size to as opposed to say the old-fashioned types that'll get eight or ten feet tall yep. but lilacs are one of those really durable durable plants yeah they're tough once they get established, it, it's hard to kill them. I mean, you can go out on the eastern plains and find an old abandoned farmstead, and you'll still find lilacs, iris, and peonies. That's right. They're still there. <laughs> Not looking great, but, hey, they're still there. That's right. If they can survive out there, they can easily survive in Absolutely. your garden. And, by the way, lilacs do occasionally get hit with late spring frost, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like everything yeah. else. Along with crab apples and apples and pears and, oh, my. Lions and tigers. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the it's just the uh, nature of things here. Speaking of flowering things, I see the pear trees. The calorie pears are in bloom. Um, oh, and uh, I looked out the window like I'm looking at our old landscape <laughs> that we could gauge things by. Yeah. We're in an entirely different landscape now. Yeah, we are. We haven't really sussed out where everything's growing just yet. Yeah, but uh, we need we need to figure out our indicator trees from the window up here. That's right. There was another. Oh, uh, flowering plums are in bloom. Oh, at least some of them. Mine hasn't started yet, um, which is probably a good thing. My hellebores are in full bloom. My orientalis types. Yeah, you know, I was going to pick some flowers today because we have a couple of people coming over, and I thought it'd be kind of nice to have little vases, vases with uh, with those and other things. Well, not so much for that. I bet they're still good. Yeah, but I'm not digging in the snow <laughs> to find them. <laughs> Whoa. When did you get to be such a wuss? <laughs> <Don't tell. laughs> I, I could take my hair dryer out there and mow it all the way. <laughs> but I do have a hellebore, a yellow one. Boy, I like yellow hellebores. Aren't they I don't nice? Know what it is. Jeez. It's growing underneath a, a spruce tree. And it may not have been weighed down with snow. I'll, I'll bet. Check. I've got one blooming under a linden that I really like. It's, it's kind of a creamy white, mm-hmm. just a tint of yellow with reddish-purple freckles all over it. Ooh. The flowers are big, and they face up. Yeah, I like that. I like that. The other one I like, and there's like hundreds of them out there, mm-hmm. but I like the yellow ones, the good good yellow ones, and there are a couple of good yellow ones, which I find surprising, by the way, considering that all the hellebores I knew before were you know muddy red. Yeah. Some variation of that. Uh, and the other ones I like are the, I'm going to say, black ones. Oh, yeah. The dark, dark, dark yeah. purples. Yeah, they're not actually black, but they appear black because they're really dark purple. I like They need that. a more brightly lit spot to, so you can to see look at them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in, dark, in deep shade, they just really don't show up. I know. It's kind of just melt into the background. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Where are we at for time? Okay, let's go out and talk to who's up next. That would be Jerry out in Lakewood. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning to you. What's going on with you today? Well, if you're willing to revisit this, taking out the old raspberry patch. Okay. I have a couple follow-up questions. How, what is a good way to rid all of the, my husband's been out there manually pulling up what he could. Mm -hmm. But I keep thinking there's got to be a better way to, more thorough to get up the uh, old raspberry plants that are still under there. They're a volunteer tree uh, starts and weeds. What would you suggest? Um, Depending on what's around there and what might be growing with them or next to them, I would consider using an herbicide. Okay. That when you see new shoots coming up, uh, just very carefully, just spray those leaves. 
Okay, so spray the leaves. Yeah, just the leaves, not the ground, nothing else around them, just the leaves. And that, you, as you can tell, that wouldn't take very much herbicide. Okay. Now, now you, you can prob- use, go ahead, Keith. Oh, I was just going to say you probably figured out that that's going to be much later. We're talking probably late May or early June before you can start doing that. Well, we may have snow till then. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other alternative is one that I think you're already doing. Just dig them up. Oh, okay. And you won't get them all. No. But okay, do, do your best. They're not too. Yeah, the the rhizomes are not too deep under the ground. They're they're you know pretty close to the surface. Yes, the the raspberry plant. Yeah. Yeah, it's the tree roots and the other things that are. Yeah, you got to be careful with those. Tree roots, they're volunteer starts. Are you trying um, to get rid of those too? Would like to. Okay. Yeah, if they're just volunteers and they're small, I think digging them up is probably the most effective way to get rid of them. Okay, so husband's on track. There you mm-hmm. go. It's good exercise, too. Her- <laughs> yes, it is. That's always needed, especially in these cold days. Yeah. Do you recommend a herbicide? Oh, I think um, weed-free zone should work. Roundup would certainly work. Or super kills okay. all. Okay. And I think if, if you don't typically use uh, herbicides, I probably would consider just getting an are ready to use a bottle of it so you don't have to mix you don't have to worry about mixing up concentrate okay because i don't think you're going to be using that much well that's good to know yeah just a simple spray you don't put lots on lots is not better and the trick is to let the plants get you know a few inches tall four or five six inches tall so that there's plenty of foliage for you to spray because it all goes in through the leaves and so the more leaves you have the more of the weed killer they collect and carry down to the root system and therefore the better kill you'll get okay good to know how would we amend the soil then getting ready for the next step oh what are you going to plant well you gave us all kinds of suggestions last week Um, okay I, and starting with tall down to smaller as you move toward the front. And this is on a southeast corner with a big evergreen tree in the south corner. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I think for the shrubs and, the, you know, the bigger things, the, the woody stuff, just a little bit of a soil amendment in the planting hole when you're planting, but not very much. You know, not more than about 20% compost and 80% your soil, regardless of how nasty it is. Uh, oh. those, those plants have to get used to your soil eventually. So making the planting hole too nice is going to slow down the establishment period. Let's just put it that way. Okay. So they need to get used to your soil as soon as you can possibly get them. In fact, I think CSU, don't they recommend not putting any amendment in the soil at all when you're planting trees and shrubs? Unless you are amending an entire bed where you're going to be amending soil where all the roots are going to be eventually. And that would be appropriate for maybe a perennial bed or an annual bed or vegetable Mm -hmm. garden. Yeah. Is amending all the soil. But if for the trees and shrubs... Um, I would just amend the soil a little bit as you're planting. And then with the perennials, then you can, you can amend a larger area uh, once you decide where those go. And that can be done. What's that? 
you're making our work so much easier than I did. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah and uh, you know when you when you're doing the perennial soil. Uh, about a three or four inch layer of compost on top and then work down into the soil, mixed thoroughly. If you can get down eight or ten inches, that would be awesome. Be careful around your evergreen tree because a lot of those roots are going to be very shallow. Yeah, that'll make it more difficult. Okay. The, the roots of what are going to be more shallow by the evergreen? The evergreen tree The evergreen roots, roots. Yes. yes. Okay. They're going to be right up near the surface, so that's where you're going to be digging, and it's going to be, you'll find the closer you get to the tree, the harder it is to dig into the soil. Okay, and you don't want to damage the No, tree. no, no. Okay, gotcha. Two more, well, three more quick questions. You, I was trying to write down quickly everything you were saying, suggesting as far as plants. And on the ball bulbs, I don't know what I... I don't know if you can recognize what I got. I have S-P-E-C, and then a space, question mark, and then C-A-R-I-S, question mark. Oh, species, species, S-P-E-C-I-E-S. Gotcha. Crocus, C-R-O-C-U-S. C-R-O-C-U-S. Yes. Okay. They sometimes call them snow crocus. Okay. The other was ornamental grasses, and I didn't get the first part. I have M-I-S-C-A-N-T-E. Yeah, that would be miscanthus. Mis- All one word. Okay, and then I had D-R-A-S, question mark, and L-O-G. D-R-A-S? No. <laughs> I don't know what that one is. Okay. I, I didn't know if it went with the Miss Campus or what. One last question. My husband, after, he didn't know I was going to call you last week, and he really wants lilac in that area. I oh, sure. I mentioned lilac yeah. a short while ago. Is that a good area for it? It, it is if the lilac will get full sun all day long. Oh. Yeah, they need at least eight hours of direct sun a day, preferably, if you have to choose, all after, all afternoon from noon on to sunset would be best, but at least eight hours would be great. Okay, are there any particular ones you recommend? How big do you want it to get? Well, that would depend on where it's placed. Yeah, it, okay. that's true. Well, the old-fashioned types, well, sometimes they're called the French hybrids, um, but like the common purple and some of the varieties that are sold these days will get upwards of 8 or 10 feet tall if you let them. And then there's some, there's some dwarf ones. One's called Miss Kim, K-I-M. Okay. That's a really nice one. And then there's also one called um, Dwarf Korean Lilac. You know, I don't know, but what we have some of those... They only get about waist high? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And I think, I have to double check this, but I think a variety, and there's more than one now, one called Bloomerang. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And it's a repeat bloomer. Repeat bloomer. And uh, it's my impression that it's it's a short one, that it's not the 8, 10-foot taller one. And there's several more dwarf ones. Yep. Okay, well, this is a good start. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank you for being there. All right. Thanks, Jerry. All right. Now we're going to take a little short break. We'll be back shortly uh, right here on Legends 810. 
Can I plant now? Almost as annoying as, are we there yet? At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we have plenty of things to plant now. Don't fret, we have the cure for your planting fever. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned professional, let us help you select what plants work best for you. It's a great time to plant pansies, violas, snapdragons, and dianthus to color up your patio pots. Add some decorative kale, and you've got an early display that loves our cool spring temperatures. Want something perennial? Try columbine, our state flower. Other perennials like Basket of Gold Alyssum and Coral Bells can start in your pots. Then, as it's done blooming, move them into the garden for next year's color. Stop by for cool weather vegetable starts, windowsill herbs, and frost covers in case of a late snowstorm. Browse through our indoor plant greenhouse for lots of foliage and blooming plants in all sizes and a great selection of pots. It's all about the adventure of finding plants. Brighten up your living environment with something green. Your premier flower and plant shop, Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center in the heart of Lafayette at 600 South Public Road. For more information, call us at 303-665-5555 or visit us online at lafayetteflorist.com. Whatever is on your spring planting list this weekend, Tagawa Gardens has what you need and plenty of it. This is Luann Aiken, Tagawa's garden ambassador. Ready to start your vegetable garden? Tagawa's has dozens of cool weather veggies that can be planted now, including bare root asparagus and rhubarb. Tagawa's nursery department is filling up with trees and shrubs, all of them perfectly suited for our front range growing conditions. And Tagawa's garden coaching service is up and running. The hour long sessions are held in person right in our garden. Garden Center. Your Tagawa coach will help you re-envision a specific area up to 200 square feet. The sessions emphasize perennials, but thoughts on trees and shrubs can be included too. The service does not include a finished design sketch, but you will walk away with lots of expert advice and ideas. These modestly priced sessions are booked and paid for online at TagawaGardens.com. We are here to make your gardening dreams come true because we are Tagawa's, your garden store and so much more. All right, we're back here on Legends 810, taking your phone calls at the following phone call number. Area code 303, prefix 477, and then uh, they call us the suffix 2473? I don't think so. Postfix. Post <laughs> Post number, <laughs> okay. And should you have a, should you have a question about that number and didn't write it down, like, give us a call. <laughs> you just really tickle yourself, don't I you? Know, I, somebody's got to be funny around here. That's right. Someday I'm going to find one too. Yeah. Hey, you know today what? is, and I like this. This is. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Blah 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 day. <laughs> it's kind of what we do, isn't it's it? Kind of that way, yeah. Uh, it's also, it's also, what else do we put in here? Uh, nothing like a dame day. I don't think that's PC. Oh, you know, I didn't think about that. I'm, I'm so sorry. You're so you might have offended somebody. You're so sensitive anymore. Jeez. God, you remember, <laughs> can you imagine being, being a kid and being as sensitive as they are today? No. Oh, God. You'd have never made it. <laughs> You'd have never made it out of kindergarten, <laughs> which they didn't have, by the way, when I was a kid. Me either. Yeah, 
I never went to kindergarten. No, they didn't have it. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> or preschool or any of the other stuff. In fact, when I went to first grade, it was in the same room as the second grade. The classroom was divided down the middle. Yeah. Same teacher for both, by the way. Uh, we didn't have that. So. We, we, <laughs> we were rich kids. <laughs> first graders on the left, second graders on the yeah. right. But we had a playground you could easily get killed on. <laughs> oh, easily. Yes. The monkey bars and the, and and the, the slide. And the, the, the twirly thing that yeah. you stood on and went around 43 times and then threw up. Yeah. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> and the metal, the steel or stainless steel slide that was like four stories high and, and no railings on them. <laughs> no, no, no. To no keep railings. stupid people no, from no, falling no, off. No, 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 no. You, and you used some wax paper underneath you to get oh, that you had to do really something. fast. You had to do something when it was hot. You had to have something there. Oh, those were the good old days. And poor, nobody gave it a second thought. Man, poor kids these days, geez. School of Hard Knocks, I think they called it. And we got a few. <laughs> I can prove it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna t- we're doing a guard show here this morning. 303-477-2473 is the phone number here. Please do call in. We have plenty of lines open, ready to take you. And right now we're going to go talk to Jim out in Denver about hydrangeas. Good morning, Jim. How you guys doing? Good. What's going on with you today? Oh, not much, but I got a I got a question about hydrangeas. I know you guys talk about them a lot, but I I never really paid any attention because I didn't have any. But now the wife wants some, so her problem becomes my emergency. <laughs> <laughs> now you need to pay attention. I do. So can you give me the the nickel summary of which are the best hydrangeas to grow around here? And sure. There, there, there are three, three categories. And one of them are the hydrangea, the florist-type macrophylla types that everybody loves that are either blue or pink. And I would avoid those. Okay. The second type is the... Annabelle type and that's for shade and they do great okay. here and it comes in either white or pink and they're not affected by pH of the soil like the first type I gave you right to said to avoid because you know if you want them to be blue they have to have an acid soil if you want them to be pink they have to have an alkaline soil and if you have something in the middle you get this ugly muddy color so, uh, so the Annabelle types are excellent here. They're, they're bone-hardy. They flower every year. They're great, but they need to be in shade. Uh, they can take some morning sun, but prefer shade from the afternoon hot sun. And then there's the third type, which is becoming more and more popular around here, is the PG type. Uh, P-E-E-G-E-E is what people refer to them as. And these are for full sun. They can take sun all day long. And they come in a variety of sizes, short to tall, and a variety of colors, white to off-white to pink. <laughs> a variety. Okay. <laughs> uh, again, not affected by soil type. Uh, and all of them, one, two, and three, all of them are water hogs and need very good soil prep before you plant. Okay, so I can figure that out. Uh, all right, I guess I'll go with the full sun ones, probably. That sounds 
easiest. It's probably the best one out there right now, and and they they're coming out with you know 150,000 new varieties each year. Uh, one of the best ones out there right now is called Quick Fire. Okay. And it's a beauty. It starts op- it, it opens white, and as the blossoms age on each of the uh, of the panicles of flowers, or, or what do you call, is that a panicle or an inflorescence? That's so, easier. Yeah, yeah. inflorescence. They the, they start to turn pink from the bottom up, so you can have this two colors at the same time. It's really very pretty. Okay, nice. Uh, and now the Annabelles, the the. If I planted them on the east side of my house and they got morning sun and then afternoon, well, then when the sun goes over the house, they don't get any sun. Though that that's perfect. Too much sun still? No, no, that's perfect. Okay, it's three to, Okay. I well, also I grow I've them got, uh, for anybody else yeah. out there listening for the Annabelle types. I grow mine in full shade under big pine trees where they get no direct sun ever at all, and they do great. So they'll, they're very adaptable. Okay, that's good. Um, let me ask you one last question, which I, I don't know if fits into your program or not exactly, but I've got a, a strip of grass about 8 feet wide and 30 feet long between two driveways. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with any kind of sprinkler that would shoot that pattern? How wide is it? Eight feet, did you say? About eight feet. Hmm. Yeah, there are sprinklers that will do that. Um, I, I couldn't give you the, the brand name or the model number or anything like that. Is this for in-ground sprinklers or above-ground hose dragging? Hose dragging. Oh, oh, yeah. What I've been using is one of those uh, uh, hoses with all the, the million holes in them. Mm-hmm. You know that you just oh sure yeah I know what you're talking about I would go to the garden center and get uh, get one that's made by Dram D R A M M and okay. it's 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 low to the ground it's round and you can adjust the pattern on top just by clicking by turning the ring at the top it clicks into different patterns and one of them is a rectangle and depending on oh. how your how 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 uh, how much water how much you turn the water on, that pattern will get larger or smaller, depending on how much pressure is in the hose. Okay, I'll give that one a try then. But it's a good brand. It'll last you forever. And it, I think it has a lifetime guarantee, doesn't it? I think it did. That do. I don't know. I think they do. I'd also be aware that if you're going to be using that, and if you should use another hose somewhere else in your yard, uh, the pattern is going to change because the water pressure has changed a bit. Right, I only use one hose at okay. a time. But, well, I, I do have actually one of the the Dram hand wands, and unfortunately, somehow over the winter, when I took it back out of its box on the little touch uh, thumb dial thing, mm-hmm. the, uh, it leaks. It sprays water out the side. I don't know if there's a way to... Those are guaranteed uh, as well. It. Take that back. Oh, do, so do you remember where you bought it? Uh, on the Internet. Oh, there. Yeah, a little more difficult. I've had you know, a number of those kind of devices over the years, and and once they become just unusable, that's when I start taking them apart and see if there's a washer or something that I can replace. And right. and if not, then you know it goes in the trash. That's where I think this one is bound. And yeah. by the way, when when you're watering that that uh, long narrow strip of grass, I'd avoid what they call an oscillating sprinkler. 
And that's the kind with the with the kind of curved bar over the top, and it oscillates yeah. back and forth. Avoid that. It it throws water way up in the air, and you lose a lot of it to evaporation. It's a, it it wastes water. Okay, uh, we'll do that. All right, you guys have helped me quite a bit. I'm glad you. Uh, I found you actually when you went off the air for a couple of weeks. I had to call Tagawas to figure out where you went. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they told me. All right. Well, thanks a lot, and have a great show. Thank you for calling this morning, Jim. And speaking of Tagawas, and uh, they have a lady there who is Miss Know-It-All, and she's on the line right now. Oh, there she is. I didn't see her at first. It's in dark green. Oh, okay. It's hard to see. So can you bring it up, Sean? Okay. Good morning, Luann. Did we get Luann? I'm not hearing Luann. She's in probably too deep a shade. Still not hearing her. Okay, let's try it again. Good morning, Luann. Nope. We're well, going to get this we'll figured out. We'll, we'll get okay. this well, figured there. out. We'll, oh, she's in, she's in pink now. Okay, maybe that works now. Are you there? <laughs> Luann, you there? No, still not getting Luann. And we lost our other caller. Luann, you there? I am. Oh, you? there we go. Yay. <laughs> Luann in pink. That Success. <laughs> you know, I had to giggle the whole time you weren't hearing me. I was giggling because a know-it-all is exactly what my mother used to call me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure that won't come as a surprise to either one of you. I would never, <laughs> never disparage you like that. Sure you would. I wouldn't. Just did. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all right. You know, you don't want life to get boring. That's right. (laughs) Why why be uber polite when we're all friends, right? You're right. What's up? Morning. What's up? There's a whole lot of stuff up here at Tagawa Gardens. I am, as we speak, parked parked just outside the uh, international headquarters of Tagawa Gardens because I'm going to go in and teach a class shortly, a Zoom class. But before I did that, I wanted to touch base with you gentlemen and talk about a couple of really fun things going on. We think they're fun. Okay. We think they're fun. Our roses, as of yesterday, our roses are now available for purchase. We have, I think, 6,300, 6,800, something like that coming in over the course of the season. And uh, a whole lot of them are already in full bloom. There'll be 230 varieties. I bet that smells great. It's not depending on which aisle you got. Well, I walk down, even with a mask on, which we still require. <laughs> it smells wonderful. It really does. But they're so beautiful. They're they're just glorious. And Tagawas has a, a rose in our in our logo for good reason because that used to be what we grew primarily back in the day. And then uh, yeah, you were a cut rose grower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rose grower, long stem rose grower for florists in this area. And so we have a rose in our logo to uh, pay homage to that. And a lot of people know that it's an excellent place to buy roses. And um, back in the day when we used to have wine and roses, when crowds were permitted, we had people who would come and and plant a new rose or two or three every year. And I'd always ask them, how how are the other ones doing? And they just couldn't say enough good things. So Tagawa roses are a thing. They're they're, uh, kind of speak for themselves they have a reputation so those are available for sale now and you can't miss the the beauty of these things with so many of them up and flowering 
the other headline for the morning um, is that our buy one, get one baskets, our hanging baskets are available for purchase. Buy one, get the second one free. And we're handling those a little bit different this year. Um, we're going to be bringing in a couple thousand every week. So we can't tell you exactly what's coming in the next time we put in our requests in the fall. And it just depends on, on what our grower is able to get in this strange and somewhat unsettled market. But beautiful hanging baskets. And we'll be bringing them in, replenishing that supply every week as long as supplies last. So, you know, there is so much color inside this store that uh, it's kind of eye-popping in a really wonderful way. Now, are you starting that buy one, get one early this year? Or isn't it typically a Mother's we Day are. thing? We are. It used to be a Mother's Day weekend thing, which people may remember was, was a crush. It was, I thought it was fun, but uh, it was a crush of people. And we can't do that right now. So they just decided to go ahead and start it early. Now, you know, a word of caution. You guys totally get this. If you're going to get them now and take them home, you've got to watch for the weather. Oh, yeah. Give them good light. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to get them now because the good ones will be gone. We're getting brand new ones in every week, every week, as long as supplies last. So come on down. See if you find what you like. If you have a sunroom or something where you can, you know, give them good care for the next few weeks, that's great. But we want you to succeed. We're not just about selling plants. We want it to work for you. So, you well, know. Yeah, the same goes with the roses, too. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, so it, we're not just about selling. We're a whole lot about educating and getting our, our guests to succeed with, with what they do. So, you know, there's something for everybody going on right now. Perennials is filling up. I'm looking at nursery. They laid a lot of stuff down um, just to make sure it was protected from the wind and the snow a little bit, get some warmth from the ground. But there, Tagawa Gardens is a rock and roll kind of place. We're just wrapping up. You know, we're just kind of spooling up, as we used to say in the helicopter business. We're just really getting, you know, wound up for the upcoming season. Well, that's exciting. It probably changes on a... Maybe even a daily basis this time of year, huh? It does, it does. I was in here picking out some props for my class today, yesterday afternoon, and it was giant cart after cart after cart, and these are racks of plants, not mm-hmm. just shopping carts, going yeah. into the annual department. Yeah. So it was like a parade. <laughs> it was really <laughs> kind of fun to watch, you know. But we are Tagawas. We're 7711 South Parker Road. That's one mile south of Arapaho mm-hmm. Road, tagawagardens.com, for all the good, juicy bits and information. And we would love to see you come down. Oh, I like the juicy bits. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> exactly. It's all a fun place. So come and see us and, and dream of blue skies, which I, I'm told are here by the end of the week, I think. Something like that. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Yeah, that would be good. We could all use a little blue sky in our lives. No doubt. Well, thanks for calling this morning, Luann. You bet. You gentlemen take care. We'll talk at you soon. All, all right. Thanks. thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We're going to take a little break right now, coming back and uh, answer questions about... Potting questions and freeze questions on fruit trees. Right here on Legends 810. Have you got spring fever? Then come visit Nick's Garden Center and Farm Market. We are one of Colorado's largest garden centers with over 10 acres of top quality plants and the finest gardening products on the market. 
Get a head start on the season with seeds, seed starting supplies, onion and potato sets, hardy pansies, herbs, spring bulbs, house plants, soils, and fertilizers. Come see many unusual plants as well as trusted favorites. All the newest variety of trees, shrubs, evergreens, roses, and perennials are arriving weekly. Our bulk and landscape yard is stocked with compost, mulches, and decorative rock with delivery available. Our friendly and helpful expert staff is ready to assist. Nick's Garden Center and Farm Market, celebrating 34 years of color, quality, and service. Located two blocks north of Iliff on Chambers Road in Aurora. Also visit us at nicksgardencenter.com. Do you have broadleaf weeds popping up in your yard? For most weed killers, it's too cold or damp to have any effect. Fertilome has a solution for that. Weed-Free Zone. Weed-Free Zone is one of the few weed killers you can use this early in the year. Use it for dandelions, henbit, chickweed, clover, bindweed, and more. It's rain fast in just a couple of hours after application, and you can reseed in two weeks. Fertilome can give your lawn a weed-free zone that will make you the envy of the neighborhood. Use the product the professionals use. Try Fertilome Weed-Free Zone. You'll find Fertilome Weed-Free Zone at Jared's Nursery in Littleton, the Tree Farm in Longmont, Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, and Tagawa Gardens in Centennial. Time for Ask the Bonide Guy. I've got the answers to what's bugging you. Let's get right to our calls. Ellen on line one. Hey, um, so, okay, I have this ash tree I really love named Joanne. Is that weird? Kind of, but hey, if you're okay, I'm okay. Oh, good. Okay. So, I want to protect Joanne from emerald ash borers, but she's like 40 feet tall, and I'm a little scared of heights. Ooh, me too. But I've got a solution that'll protect your tree for the whole year without spraying or climbing. Really? Oh, yeah. Just add Bonide Annual Tree and Shrub Insect Control to the base of the tree. The protection's absorbed right up through the roots and carried up into the tree. Oh, and Ellen, there's no climbing or spraying necessary. Oh, yay. It's the most effective way to protect your trees from all the elements. Oh, that's awesome. That'll make Joanne so happy. Oh, yeah. Feel free to give her a hug. Aw, thanks, Bonide Guy. Protect your trees and shrubs the easy way with annual tree and shrub insect control from Bonide. Trusted since 1926. Visit your local hardware store or garden center today or learn more at Bonide.com. All right, we're back here on Legends 810, taking your phone call. By the way, our phone number here is 303-477-2473. And we have a couple of people who have already done that. Yeah, we should go talk to Everett out on line one. Good morning, Everett. Yes. Hey there. I have a question about the freeze. If we had a freeze that was uh, killing frost that would stop fruit trees from producing. Yeah. Yeah, it could have. Yeah. It depends on where you live and, you know, whether you're at the bottom of a hill or a top of a hill because cold air uh, sinks. And some trees are more cold tolerant than others. Uh, if, the, if the flowers were full out and in full bloom, uh, you may have lost them. What, what, are, what are you growing? Uh, we have two apple trees and one apricot tree. The apricot tree was pretty far along it was at least half full the apple trees were just starting and you know we had this storm and it got down to i think 28 but i don't know if that's cold enough or not probably is cold enough for apricots i'm gonna say go out on the limb just a little bit and say it's probably toast for this year 
Okay. The apples are probably apples, okay. Yeah, kind of iffy for apples. They're probably okay. Well, I would like to stop the apple trees from producing because they produce a zillion of these little bitty green apples that are a real nuisance. <laughs> okay. We, we, it's a real pain to pick them all up uh, weekly. Uh, which brings me to another question. I've got this spray. I think it's called floral. Right. And we've used it before. We, in fact, we used it last year. And I don't know if it worked or if we had a freeze, but whatever. We did not have fruit. And I was going to go ahead and spray them just to make sure. Um, I've already got the, the floral. Uh-huh. I've heard that you're just supposed to spray them light to just barely wet. And if you, pr- if, if you spray them enough that it starts dripping off the blossoms, then it won't work. In fact, it'll make them produce more fruit. Is that correct? I no. Don't, I don't think so. No. No, it's just a waste it, if, you, yeah. if it's dripping off the tree. You just need to lightly wet the flowers. Uh, and they usually recommend more than one spray. I believe it's uh, one spray at about a quarter, in, f- about a, in full bloom, about a quarter of the flowers open, and then again when the, when the flowers are fully open all over the tree. Okay. The instructions I read on the bottle said to wait till it was to spray when it was from half bloom to full bloom. Okay. That'll work, too. Okay. But you're saying you can't put too much on. I mean, you can waste it, but you won't. No, it, it, should, have, no, it should not have the effect of, uh, that you listed there of giving more fruit. No. Okay. All right. I'm located uh, in the Cherry Creek area, just south of the Cherry Creek Shopping Center. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but you don't know if it got cold enough, do you? I mean, everybody's yard's going to be a little different. Yeah. Uh, every neighborhood's going to be a little different, depending on your topography and your altitude and all that sort of thing. So uh, there can be frost pockets here and there, and other areas, you know, just down the street didn't get it. So it's just a matter of what, you know, watching and waiting. It's hard to know. But normally, I don't think that it's going to be a problem unless the temperatures got down a little bit lower, like 26, 25 degrees. Then I'd know that they'd be gone. So I was going to, that was my next question. What is considered the temperature you need to get down to? Well, on apple trees, and this is very general because every apple variety is different, is about 28 degrees. Okay. But I think the thing to note now, because we've spent a couple of minutes talking about this, we're talking only like two, three degrees. And, yeah. it, and there's just no way of, of predicting what yours was uh, in comparison to what your neighbor's was. I see. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All righty. You bet. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. Bye. Now, for everybody else out there listening... Uh, who might be cons- you know, curious about this product that, he, that Everett mentioned that he sprayed his trees with to get rid of the apples. Uh, he called it floral. It's actually florel, F-L-O-R-E-L, florel. It's made by Monterey, and the garden centers have this. It's, a, it's an ethylene-producing spray that you can put on the tree when the tree is close to full bloom. Let's just put it that way. That's a chemistry. That's a chemical. I can't use that. It's a natural chemical. It's what apples give off when they are ripening. Lots of fruits give that that off. 
So, uh, and it, it just causes the flowers to abort and and not pollinate and not set fruit. Doesn't hurt the bees. Doesn't hurt the pollinators. Doesn't hurt anything. Uh, you just want to spray. I guess the one thing that the label does say is don't spray it on your car because it can spot the paint. Yeah, I, yeah. You don't want to spray anything on your car. You don't want to overspray anything. Anywhere. I don't even spray water on my car. <laughs> I let the professionals or, do that. Or soap or anything. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that nasty stuff. <laughs> but that's something you can pick up at the garden center, and uh, and that will eliminate fruit set on not only apples, but crab apples and a whole host of other things, other things including yeah. Russian olives. And I think uh, mangoes and, uh, yeah, and papayas. Papayas. Yeah. <laughs> Works on them all. I just said, uh, I wanted to make a comment. Perhaps this year might be one of those years where there's going to be an extended bloom. Because mm-hmm. we're 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 talking about a couple of degrees here, and uh, we get some of those degrees. The flowers are not going to all open at one time; they're going to be delayed. But not all of them are going to be delayed. Some more so than others. So you may have extended bloom over, I don't know, two weeks, and that could mean that you're going to have a reduced harvest or a full harvest. It's hard to say. Everett might have, you know, apples on one side of his yard that gets frozen out altogether and apples on the other side of his yard to produce a full crop. It's just that local. Yep, that local. And we're talking, again, only two or three degrees. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Hard to predict. If you happen to be down in a valley, the damage is probably going to be a little worse because that's where the cold air settles. But then I have also seen up on top of a hill is worse than down in the valley. Oh, yeah. So it can be. It's, it's just a gamble. Well, we get those temperature inversions mm-hmm. where it's warmer down here where we live, and it's colder not that far up. That's why in some cases you see frost on your rooftop, yep. but not on your lawn. Yep. But again, we're talking only a few degrees here. It's bizarre. It I suppose is. my grandfather always used to string his peach trees up with uh, those C7 Christmas tree lights, mm-hmm. with the big bulbs, because they produce heat. Yep. And he'd string those up on his trees, and you know it it may have saved trees that or may have saved fruit that were near the bulbs, but not the whole tree. No, no. But you know, getting a few dozen fruit instead of none was worth it to him. I'd, I'd I'd rather go to Safeway. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> oh, we're are we late for a break? No, we're good. Okay, so okay, we can go back out and talk to to Larry about his potting question out in Parker. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Eight Ten. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening. Yeah, What's going on with you today? Well, a neighbor of mine uh, had a connection of some sort. Brought home a bunch of. Lambert LM-GPS professional uh, potting soil I guess you'd call it that had you'd gotten from a company that uh, grows uh, uh, sprouts and they use it once and then they get rid of it and they just give it away throw it away whatever I don't mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. anyway <clears throat> brought home a trailer full distributed it to a bunch of neighbors here. I was just wondering how safe it would be to use that for planting out in the garden. Oh, I think it's very safe. They're not they're not taking chances in the greenhouse because uh, a greenhouse is a protected environment. 
Right. Uh, it's protecting good stuff and bad stuff. Whereas your garden uh, is exposed to the elements and sunlight, um, and very good chance if there was any any bad diseases and what have you in the soil, um, they're gone. You mean? Yeah. After Mother Nature has to, has her way with it. Yeah. Now I I know you mentioned it was Lambert GPS. Yeah. Okay, that's a seedling mix. So it's going to be a little finer than normal potting soil. Yeah. I wouldn't use it in flower pots, that sort of thing. But, you know, mixing it into the soil in your in your vegetable garden, flower beds, that sort of thing would be just fine. What about starting things from seed? I, no, since it's already been used once, um, there's no guarantee that it's totally sterile, which is what you'd really want for starting seeds. Well, I went ahead and I planted some uh, snap peas, some trigger peas, uh-huh. in the garden just in this stuff. I dug a little trench and filled it with, with this used potting soil and put some peas in there. So we'll see what happens with that. There you go. Those are nice big seeds. They, they're pretty sturdy. They should be fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, other than uh, sitting around looking for things to start sprouting... <laughs> That's about it. Okay. I, I'm anxious to see my asparagus start. I haven't seen anything yet. It's a little early. Well, hopefully yeah. soon. Okay. All right. Well, again, welcome. Okay. Thank you very much. Good to hear you. Okay. Appreciate the call. All right. Sure thing. Bye-bye. Yeah, not much to, to look at in your vegetable garden this time of year. Um, if you sowed some things, chances are it hasn't even germinated yet. It's just too cold. Yeah. Still there, it should be fine, unless you put things in like squash and corn. <laughs> That's not going to be fine. It's not. It's not going to like it at all. Too but, cold. But my garlic is is increasing. I now have 132 plants. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no vampires in your neighborhood. Will Apparently there? not. There aren't now. I mean, they can you know they they off gas and they put gas <laughs> throughout my my yard. So yeah. Are you sure it's the garlic? I'm not sure. I do know that we have wolves and hyenas and jackals in our backyard at night. Do you? Yes. That's why we don't let our kitty out at night. Oh, I don't blame you. We, he can't go out until it's... Especially the it, hyenas. It's they're light nasty. Out, and I have to go out and, and do a visual to make sure they're all gone. <laughs> I mean, that's what I tell him. Yeah. He, sure. he has yet to believe me. but All right. Well, let's get back out to the phone. We have one more caller. Uh, that's Mary out in Arvada. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, guys. We missed you. Well, I'm, I'm glad you found us on 810. I had to go to um, Jared to find out, so I did. And what I want to know is um, I have a candy tuft, which is in the evergreen family, but I need something else. And do you know of a shrub or a bush about two feet high that has flowers and keep their leaves all winter? No. I can think of, of one, but the, it's not a great flowering shrub, and that's manzanita. Mine are blooming right now. Manzanita. But but it's not okay. it's not a bloom that you can see from the street. Yeah, they're kind of tucked in there. I mean, they're very pretty when you get up close to them. Uh-huh. Uh, other things, they're evergreen and bloom. Does it, does it have to bloom in the spring or can it bloom in the summer? 
summer would be great. Okay, I would look at what's called a pine leaf penstemon. Pine leaf penstemon, okay. Uh, it's also referred to as penstemon pinifolius. But it's, a, it's an evergreen. It forms a small shrub. And it has orange flowers. There's some other varieties. They're yellow and maybe an apricot-colored one out there, too. Orange or and apricot. Okay. Um, what did you say? What, what was the Latin? Uh, how do you spell that second word in the Latin version? Pinifolius, P-I-N-N. Oh, one N. P-I-N-I. Folius. Folius, F-O-L-I-U-S. Okay, and that has orange and apricot. Yeah, well, orange, apricot, and some of them are kind of reddish. And there's a yellow variety yeah, out no. there, too. Depends on the variety you get. Okay, is there any specific variety that you can really stand behind? The orange one. The yeah. orange one seems to be the most hardy and the best flowering. Okay, and how big a flower is that? It's small, but it's in large quantities, so it really shows up. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we got to get out of here for uh, okay. for the day. So uh, we appreciate your call. And thank everybody else for listening and participating in the show. Remember, if you have a couple of questions that you didn't get answered this week, why save them up someplace, wherever that might be, and give us a call next week because we're going to be right back here on Legends A10. The preceding program is sponsored by JK Communications.